It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 3rd, 2018. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Thanks for letting me take a couple days off from the podcast. Like I said, we're in the dead part of the year, so not going to go every day uh, for a little while at least. Decided to take a couple days off, didn't have really have much to talk about, um, and want let some things build up, tried to catch up on some stuff on the site as I've been working with a new work schedule um, that's that's getting me to figure out when my writing time can be, um, but uh, I do want to think, I do want to be back here for Friday, close out the week on a right note, and we're going to do today, one of my favorite episodes that I always get to do, we're going to have a mailbag episode. I posted my Orlando Magic Daily mailbag up on orlandomagicdaily.com earlier this week. I'll go through some of those questions, answer them here on the radio show. Um, These are questions that were emailed or sent to me via Twitter or email um, or left in the comments. Um, Also, part part of the questions are from my Ask Me Anything that I did with the Orlando Magic subreddit a few weeks ago. So for the next half hour, let's dive into your Orlando Magic questions. Let's start with question number one, if my computer will let me get to my questions. Um, question number one that I'm going to take here, um, Jake Doe on, on the Orlando Magic subreddit asked me, who is the ideal point guard to add to the roster to grow with B.I.G.? That's Baba, Isaac, and Gordon. Uh, and this is a question that, that I really, I don't think I have a good answer to this question quite yet. I know what John Hammond and Jeff Waltman like. They like guards that are long and athletic. Uh, they like players that are long and athletic. Uh, they, they like gar- guys that, that have physical attributes that you just can't teach around. Um, you know, you can improve your skill, but you, but you can't really improve your wingspan. And I think that's, that's one of the points that the team is making and going after these types of players. And so I definitely think that 
the magic as, as they're looking to fill out the rest of this roster. They want guys who are positionally versatile. They want positional versatility. So, you know, unless a guy it clearly has a lot, and I think this gets back to the Dennis Smith thing from last year, unless a guy clearly has a demonstrable, like, elite skill as an undersized player, and this actually gets to the Isaiah Thomas stuff too, actually, unless a player has a demonstrable elite skill that can overcome a lack of size, the team is always going to err on the side of adding size. And, and, and I think that's ultimately the reason why the Magic chose Jonathan Isaac over Dennis Smith Jr. in last year's draft. Um, I, I'm still kind of... I, I, I like the Jonathan Isaac pick. I'm not going to debate it again. Dennis Smith Jr. made a lot of sense. He had a solid rookie year. I wouldn't say he had a great rookie year, but he had a solid rookie year. Uh, and so I, I, I think that you can... If you're a Dennis Smith guy, if you're not a Jonathan Isaac guy, yeah, there's, there's might be a little bit of regret. But Smith definitely does not fit the profile of, of what the Magic are looking for as far as size and and uh, as far as size and wingspan and defensive mentality. Um, and I, I don't think he has the elite skill to make thing, make it up. Isaiah Thomas again, very similar type of thing. Doesn't have the size that the Magic like, and certainly not the defensive ability. But the question I think that they had to ask themselves is, does he have the elite skill to overcome things? So, he clearly didn't. This is also to say that DJ Augustin is not, like we all think, a long-term answer point guard. I don't think DJ Augustin is the ideal place that the Magic want to be at point guard. In fact, I'm sure they're, they're searching for a replacement. Maybe in an ideal world, actually, Jerry and Grant is the one that replaces him. Because I think... A player of Jerry and Grant's size, six foot four with a six foot seven and a quarter wingspan, um, someone like him is kind of what the Magic are looking for because he's a bigger guard. He's got positional versatility. He can guard either guard position. Got good length for for guard again. Um, he, you know, doesn't have all the skills that maybe he wants, so he's not the guy either. But he's very much in the vein that I think the Magic are looking for a point guard. And I, and I was thinking about this, and I think really what the Magic are looking for is sort of a point guard in the vein of like a, a Mike Conley. Uh, a, a guy who's a, a game manager, not going to make a lot of mistakes. It's kind of a Steve Clifford guy. Solid defensively. Mike Conley maybe doesn't have the, the size that you really think of, but he's a really good defender. And it's just kind of checks off a lot of marks. Can manage the game, uh, can can make shots, create his own shot. Works well off the ball as well as on the ball. Good defender, position you know a relatively versatile defender. I don't know if Conley is the most versatile guy in the world. So that's that's definitely um, that's definitely kind of the vein that I think the Magic want to go on. If you're looking for an ideal point guard, I, I kind of lean toward a Mike Conley or, or prime Darren Williams. Like, remember when Darren Williams was with the Utah Jazz? He was considered the best point guard in the league for a few years. It was him or Chris Paul. Uh, and Williams was able to back guys down. He was bigger than everyone. He had good good shooting. He was a good game manager, good score. Um, I, I, not the lengthiest player, but... I think that that's the direction the Magic want to go. I think if 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 you know if if salary cap wasn't an issue and you could pick 
you know, kind of the ideal player, reasonably. Like, Conley would be a really solid kind of guy to have to, to lead this group. Um, you know, obviously the Magic aren't going to probably get him at this point. Um, and it's hard to hard to find a player that checks off every box that you have. So, this is kind of the ideal scenario, the ideal situation. But, I think that's what the Magic are going to end up looking for. Again, a lot of this is up in the air. Really, the Magic only have two pieces firmly in place, and, and you could argue three, and that's Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon. And right now, um, as the Magic continue to grow, it's about collecting talent and figuring out what they can do, too, as, as, as all three are very young players, and then fitting good players around them. And point guard position is definitely a big, big part of that, and, and a big, big question mark for this team. Orlando needs a point guard. We all know that. We all see that. We it, It's fairly easy to understand that the Magic need to fill that position. And they haven't done it yet. And so finding the right guy is definitely part of that equation. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I think it's it's also worth mentioning something that that I that I discussed that I discussed a little bit there. Um, also coming from my subreddit uh, or my a, my AMA on the Orlando Magic subreddit, uh, Knowles with a couple S's, four S's to be exact, asked: Is the strategy of drafting with an emphasis on wingspan a good one? How would you grade the last two drafts the new regime has conducted? Um, I, I always think of this. I'm always going to think of this uh, when. When Jeff Weltman came to the podium after the NBA draft was over, when the, when the Magic were done with the NBA draft at least, he joked, long night, long players. It, 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 it has become a joke among Magic fans. And, 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 and it's good that we can laugh, laugh at, at ourselves and laugh at this. And every time the Magic acquires someone new, we ask, the first question we ask is, what's his wingspan? It, it, it is definitely a, a thing. I, I don't think we could get around it. You know, the Magic drafted Muhammad Bamba, the longest wingspan in the recorded history of the NBA draft combine at seven foot ten inches. Um, J- Justin Jackson and Melvin Frazier among the longest wingspans among guards and forwards in this and in, in the NBA draft class, uh, at least by the measurements taken at the NBA draft combine. It is a thing. The Magic are drafting for wingspan, and, and like I said previously. I think that it's an intriguing strategy. It's not a bad strategy. I'll put it that way. You can teach skill. Players improve as shooters. Look at Aaron Gordon for, for evidence of that. You can improve skill. You cannot improve or you cannot teach physical attributes. Some players are just gifted with supreme athleticism, with Arms that go for miles with height. You can't teach any of that. And so I think what Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are thinking here is let's get players, let's get people who have something no one can take away from them that will, you know, because frankly with length, 
that lowers your margin for error. Jonathan Isaac last year said defense came pretty easily to him, but I still have a lot to learn. And a lot of that was because Isaac was just instinctually a smart defender. He's, he's an incredibly good defender for a player his age. Let's not kid ourselves there. But he's able to recover from mistakes that he makes because he just takes up, make, can make up more ground with his, with his arms and with his speed and athleticism. And so I think it's important to remember and to note that when you're longer, when, when you have that physical ability, mistakes aren't as costly. And that's the idea. You lower your margin for error. You make things more difficult for your opponent, at least defense, at least when you're on defense, if you have these physical attributes. Jonathan Isaac, if he can figure out a jumper, it's going to be impossible to block. It's, it's almost Dirk Nowitzki-esque with the way he's able to get his ball, get the ball over his head. You cannot block that shot. And you can barely challenge it. It's just about him getting the skill now to improve. And, and I think that's the biggest warning here. The biggest red flag, or the biggest, uh, um, uh, uh, not red flag, that's probably too harsh, but the, but the biggest caution that I, that I put out is there are so many stories in the NBA of players who had these physical attributes that were supreme athletes. I mean, I think of guys like Stramile Swift or, or Tyrus Thomas, and, and there are, Kwame Brown was like this. Kintel Woods, uh, you know, just Dewan Wagner, just guys who are just athletic, you know, crazy athletic. But they never developed the skill set to be more than just athletes. And so you can't just draft players based on their physical attributes. At some point, they've got to develop skills. And so I think part of this is the Magic are at such a beginning stage of their rebuild that, yeah, they can invest a little bit in a long-term future and, and getting guys that maybe don't have the skill set that they traded a lot on their athleticism to, to, to reach high-level college basketball, to reach the NBA draft, which does happen. And now they're working on developing their skills. And I think the Magic believe in their skill development and believe that those players will develop those skills. But absolutely... Wingspan alone is not enough. And this is where I get to that second part of the question. How would you grade the last two drafts a new regime has conducted? I think the biggest thing with this new regime so far is yes, they have a type. Yes, they're looking for a specific thing. But there are also plenty of missed opportunities. And I think that's honestly... I think the Magic have done good in the draft. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Jonathan Isaac a lot. Um, and, and a lot of that is me coming around to him too. I, I'll fully admit that. I think the I mean, the Muhammad Bamba pick is the absolute right pick to make there. But their second round picks, not so great. Haven't turned out that great or, or don't project to be that great. Uh, you know, Everyone will talk about trading uh, the pick, the 25th pick in, in last year's draft, uh, Anze Pesechniks, for essentially two, two second-round picks coming the, coming the way or really nothing, with Kyle Kuzma still on the board, with Josh Hart still on the board, with 
you know, with opportunity to draft solid players. And and I liked the Wesa Wandu pick at the time, and I still like Wesa Wandu. But he clearly still has some work to do. And on top of that, Melvin Frazier looks like exactly the same player. And so I do have to sit here and question, you know, you take the best player available in the second round, second round of the draft, but I do have to question, why are you taking players that have very similar skill sets in back-to-back drafts when you can't play both of them? And so again, I think when you look at Weltman and Hammond's draft so far, they're interesting because they're in talent collection mode. They're not in need mode. They're not trying to draft on need. They're trying to just get talent. But I do have to ask what opportunities have been missed, you know, just collecting talent randomly. And I think it's a fair question to ask, you know, whether those picks could have been used more effectively. Certainly the 25th pick in the first first round last year, well, I do did agree at the time, and I, I will continue to agree at the time, I thought the draft flattened out at that point too. I wasn't crazy over anyone at that spot. I actually liked Anzez Pesechniks. I thought the Magic should have, should have kept him, use him as a stash if they weren't going to use that pick. Um, it, it wasn't quite clear what the Magic's goals were at that point. I think they still thought they might be able to make a playoff run, so they didn't want to commit another first-round pick or first-round money or first-round roster spot. And so trading off that pick, I think, is defensible. And I just defended it. But it's absolutely a missed opportunity. And when you're rebuilding, when you're, when you're trying to build yourself back up from the ground, you cannot miss on opportunities. You have to take advantage of opportunities. You have to... Get a solid role player in the second round. You have to find diamonds in the rough late in those. You can't. You can miss on them. It's not crazy if you miss on them because it's not a huge loss. But the gains are bigger if you can take advantage of them in the position of the Magic Run. And I think that's a fair criticism of this front office is they haven't taken full advantage of the draft in the way that a young team like the one they have needs to. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final question I'm going to ask, and it's, I was asked this a couple different ways. Um, Yo YZ on the subreddit asked, how much time should we give this front office before we start demanding results? I understand they state they don't want to rush, but we can't bear another five-year rebuild to the lottery. Um, the other question I got very, very similarly was from Ralph Petty, who sent this by email. Um, he asked, my first question is, how long do you think it will be before John Hammond and Jeff Waltman are released of their duties? Five years, ten. Now that we have such a shrewd and cerebral top brass that will remain competent for many years, I worry that with the ownership and his head honcho, Alex Martins, that I'll have to suffer seeing them released from our team if they don't bring immediate wins results two summers from now or even next summer. Um, 
I would I would say this. I would say this on, on that front. It sucks to hear this, and I, I hate to have to say it again. Right now, the Magic are in year two of a rebuild. And really, it's not even year two. It's year one. This is the beginning. This is the first step, first stage. Um, Jeff Waltman has said this, and, and, and certainly when, when this question comes up, he said that, you know, I wasn't here the previous five years. And I know it's hard to say this to fans who've had to be through those five years. But this is my first year. I'm still getting to know everyone. And, and you said this a few times, and it's probably evolved since then. But I'm still getting to know everyone. I'm still understanding our roster and understanding what we can do. And, and some of that, you know, I, my skeptic hat comes on here. Some of that is a cop-out in some way to saying... I don't have the financial flexibility to do anything. We can't go out and sign players. You know, our players are very difficult to trade right now. We're not hitting lottery luck. And so I've got to kind of bide my time and and just be smart and manage things well until we do come into cap room. And like I said, it's probably going to be another two years before that happens. So, yes, this, this really feels like the first year of a rebuild, or if you if you want to get technical, year two of the Jeff Weltman era. I think that I think that we can't talk about the timeline, so to speak, without recognizing a few things. First, what the Magic attempted to do, or what the Magic professed they were doing, at least under Rob Hennigan, was truly ambitious for them, and was different than anything else the Magic had done in their history. And I have to applaud the effort, if not the execution. The idea and the thought of what the Magic were doing, or what the Magic were trying to do, they they obviously failed, of what Rob Hannigan was trying to do was a good one. It's Orlando Magic history has been very, very fortunate. They were an expansion team. Everyone loves the honeymoon phase. Year three, they get one of the 10 best players in the NBA. They win a lottery that grants them one of the 10 best players in NBA history in Shaquille O'Neal. When he leaves them four years later, they still have Penny Hardaway, who's pretty darn good, and they're still successful. But when Penny leaves, they go into they, they start a rebuild where they just try to clear cap for free agency. And it works. They get two all-stars in free agency. And that keeps them relevant and keeps them in the playoffs. And when that peters out four years later, when Tracy McGrady wants out, they win the lottery again. And they get Dwight Howard. And for eight seasons, Orlando has purpose. They make the finals in 2009. uh, Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer. For, for eight seasons, they're relevant. And they're not only relevant, they're good. And everything just, everything in Magic history flows from one storyline to the next, from one era to the next. There's no gap. There's no multiple years outside the playoffs. I mean, before this this run, the, Mag- the longest the Magic had been outside the playoffs was four years. And those were the first four years in the franchise's history. 
it's it's been a very fortunate and lucky run for the Orlando Magic for 24 years, 23 years. And so when they tried this rebuild, when they tried to tear everything down and start over from scratch, saying, you know, we've made mistakes as an organization, and, and they have, and they repeated a lot of those mistakes. And I think the the way that the Magic built previously covered a lot of organizational warts. And they thought, you know, I think they honestly thought that rebuilding would be as easy as it had been to them for, in the past. I think that, you know, they, they had this approach of we're going to build a winning culture. We're going to do this, that, and this thing to get the players that we need to be competitive and to win championships. That is our goal. We had a taste of it. We want more. And Dwight didn't work out. He wanted out. We made some mistakes trying to appease a star. We're not going to do that this time. We're going to grow our star. We're going to win the lottery again. And we're going we're gonna to build the right way. We're going to be a player. Things didn't work out this time. And I think the magic, and I think, you know, ownership had it in their head that this is a formulaic process. Rebuilding a team should be formulaic. And when the plan deviated or the plan didn't work out, the magic didn't win the lottery this time. They got Victor Oladipo with the second pick. They got Aaron Gordon with the fourth pick. They got Mario Zoni with the fifth pick. They didn't win the lottery this time. And their forward progress was haphazard and and didn't fully get going. And yeah, I think the Magic organizationally were impatient. Rob Hannigan made bad decisions. This isn't to absolve him. But yes, the Magic organizationally were impatient. And like I said, I think the luck the Magic had before covered up a lot of warts within the organization. And so when you have all those warts, all those weaknesses that that had been smoothed over, finally hurting the team, hurting the franchise, with the GM who wasn't able to execute his plan or whatever his plan was, and, and, and put together a team that could take that next step. And made bad decisions. Let's face it. Rob Hennigan made bad decisions. When you put all that together, you get where the Magic are now. I think in hiring Jeff Weltman, the Magic recognized those mistakes. I think that they understood or, or saw, finally, that what they thought would be an easy process what they thought was something that they had figured out down pat wasn't so easy. And that a lot of things had to change if they were to take that next step, if they were to to accomplish what they originally set out to accomplish six years ago. Jeff Feldman was not leaving Toronto without a sure, I, I, I believe this, and, and he's hinted at this at least publicly. Jeff Fullman was not leaving Toronto if he did not believe ownership was going to give him the ability to run the team the way he wanted to run the team, to change the organization, to change the franchise into what's been successful for him in his long career. 
because you know everyone says ownership solid and and you know you could talk about the family and the DeVos family and a number of different avenues and you know they're they're polarizing group for a lot of reasons but I'll say this about their relationship with the Magic except for the run in the 2000s with when there was the arena issue and the and they were thinking of pulling putting the team up for sale certainly since that point and certainly since they got the new arena they have not been afraid to spend on this team. The financial commitment from the DeVos family to the Orlando Magic has never been a question, at least since moving into the Amway Center. And again, that's a maybe a political thing that we don't need to talk about today. So they're, they're willing to spend for a winner. They want to win. And I think they've come to realize that, yeah, winning in this league is really hard. And the way that they were successful before is not the typical way you find success in this league. And certainly, they did not do the things they had to do to make that success, to make the fortune that they had sustainable. And that was the ultimate goal of this rebuild. To recognize that we messed up somewhere along the way. And so now we need to build a sustainable culture of winning. A sustainable thing, a sustainable process, a sustainable organization that will win off the court as much as it wins on the court. Because the Magic do a lot of, you know, the business side of the Magic is boo- is still doing very, very well. Or about as well as you could expect for a team that's struggling as much as Orlando is. So this gets back to the original question. How much time does Jeff Waltman and John Hammond have? And I don't think we can put a timeline on this. I don't think that this is a, a situation like Hennigan found himself in where it was, we expect you to make the playoffs in three or four years or to be close to the playoffs in three years and make the playoffs in four years. And, and you know, I'll fully admit this as, as a member of the media, that's how I frame the question. Like, Honestly, as a fan, as, as, as an observer of the game, I've learned a lot the last six years. I've made a lot of mistakes and, and, and mistakes in my analysis. And, and some of that is based off of watching the magic so closely for so long that that's how I expected things to go. Like, that's the process. And so, hey, I'll, I've, learned, I've learned a ton. I've learned a ton about evaluating players over the last six years. I've learned a ton about understanding how teams build and, and what you have to rely on and, and how you the strategy of building a team of devising a franchise and the one thing that you know among the many things that I've said you, you can't compare rebuilds so don't look at what Boston did and say why can't we do that they traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce for a boatload of picks that's why they're where they are it's the that the trade that got them that that started their rebuild the Magic traded Dwight Howard for Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Aflalo, Maurice Harkless, and a couple of picks that weren't ever going to really, that, that, that never came to them, really. That's where the Magic started their rebuild. And so, I don't think there's a timeline on this. I think last year was a year for Weltman. It was, was a scot-free year. Weltman and Hammond had no expectations. It was, it was literally an evaluation year. Just get us out of cap hell first. Give us some flexibility so we can actually make some moves, uh, and then, and then we'll see where the roster's at. 
this year's really year one. This is really the year, first year that they're kind of under a little bit of pressure, and they're really not under pressure. I think whatever happens, happens. I think what... I think what's important moving forward is, is not a timeline of when the Magic will make the playoffs again. It could be this year. Honestly, it could be this year. It could be in three years. It could be in another four years. I think what's important is that the Magic make progress. You measure, you measure, the, team's, you measure the team's success by the progress that it makes. And only put that playoff expectation on them when they are ready. When it really looks like they're about to break through that ceiling. It's not this year. I, I'm pretty sure of that. But let's say they go out and win 30 games this year. Next year, you want to see them win 35, 36, 37. Be in that playoff conversation, maybe. Compete a little bit, a little bit later in the season. Continue to grow individually and as a team. And then from there, you start just hitting benchmarks and just get progressively better and better and better until you burst through. And maybe it happens quickly. Maybe it happens slowly. Maybe it happens this year. Maybe it takes another year. But what you want to see is the team continue to get better, to commit to a style. You have your coach in Steve Clifford. So maybe he's the impetus for getting the team moving in that right direction. And that's really all you want to see right now. And, and, and I think that's how we judge Jeff Waltman and John Hammond. Is Jonathan Isaac getting better? Does Muhammad Bamba look like he can play? I think we, we can say that already. Is Aaron Gordon getting better? Are the players that matter getting better and looking like a cohesive unit? I've said this, and, and I, I want to backtrack a little bit off this because I don't think it's the case, but I've, I've kind of been saying... You know, it's it's very possible that the Magic have a worse record this year than they did last year. It's very possible the Magic win fewer than 25 games this year. But I think we'll come out of this season feeling more hopeful about the future. I can already feel that, actually. And if that's the case come April 15th or whatever the last day of the season is, then this season will be a success. And then from there, you want to see that growth continue. Jeff Wilman and John Hammond will get in trouble when it feels like that growth is stalling or has stopped. That's when Rob Hennigan really got in trouble to some extent. Because actually, Rob Hennigan and the Magic, I thought, were on the right path. They got to 35 wins and then they blew it up and put, to, put together something extremely quickly and haphazardly and that got them into trouble more than anything. So you just want to see signs that the plan is working and that it's taking steps in the right direction. And when that happens, then the team is in a good spot. So I, I, I'm not going to put a timeline on the playoffs, and I'm certainly not going to put a timeline on Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. I think that they're just getting started. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I share my thoughts on Orlando getting the hosting rights to the 2019 MLS All-Star Game and how Orlando is becoming a sports destination despite 
the marquee teams in the city, the Orlando Magic and Orlando City, continuing to struggle in the standings. Be sure to check that out on orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll be back again next week with more episodes of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.